Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. OPME here. Before we press play on this week's episode, we had a bit of connectivity issues during our interview with Trevor. So his sound is slightly muffled. However, the gems he dropped were seconds to none. Enjoy. Why is this only coming out here now? <laughs> you have not said this to me. This feels like you're just kind of... It's not an attack. I'm just going to say one thing about you that relates to shoes. I love black. I love... Yeah. I love yeah, black you do. Trainers. You're wearing black today and you've got black trainers on today. Yeah. Hi, my name's Raphael Sofaluk. I'm the founder and CEO of UK Black Business Show and UK Black Business Week. I'm Opiemi Sofaluk. I am the co-author of Twice As Hard and I work in diversity, equity and inclusion. Well, this is the Twice As Hard podcast, the essential guide where we share tips and tools to tool you up to succeed in the world of work and business. You can find me at Raphael Sofaluk on Instagram, at Raphael Sofaluk on Twitter, LinkedIn, at UKBB Show, at Twice As Hard book. Where can we find you, Opiemi Sofaluk? You know, LinkedIn, Opiemi Sofaluk. Instagram, Opiemi.Sofaluk. Twitter, Opiemi Sofaluk. Brilliant. Well, today we're pondering on the words of Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. I love this quote. So she says, make a mark on the world that can't be erased. Mm. What do you think about that phrase? It's deep. I love it because... It's basically, it ties into the fact that even though we will eventually move on, you know, you can leave a mark. You can be remembered um, by what you do. And I think it's not necessarily just about, you know, making a mark on the world, but also making a mark, you know, on people in Mm. a positive way, like how you impact people on a personal level. Yeah, and I uh, I think you alluded to it. It's important to know, you know, for me, even making a mark on the world is even making a mark on your friends mm-hmm. is making a mark on the world. So you know what you leave behind. You know how you make people feel, mm-hmm. which is um, yeah, love the quote. So I've got a question. Go for it. What is one thing that people wouldn't know about me that you know? Mm. There are many things. Okay. No, but there are. I think one thing, like, I think a lot of people that see you or when you're out and about, you seem very cool and calm, very chilled, which you are. But what they wouldn't know is that, like, you probably have a bigger personality than you let on and you do silly things like stand on your head, which I don't understand (laughs) why you do that sometimes. Like, he does it for entertainment to the kids. Sometimes OPME just loves to burst out rapping and freestyling. Just out of nowhere. That's true. Like, literally. free, And she's actually really good at it. Thank you. Which is crazy. Like, she she, she could beat, she could battle rap. Yeah. And You're good at battle rap. And I make up songs as you well. You make up songs and you, you start sh- singing loud and just <laughs> shouting in the house. Just, do you know what I mean? 
and the kids are now doing it, which is, see? That means I'm, this encu- is what I'm encouraging... You're the kids now. I'm en- no, I'm encouraging <laughs> creativity is what I'm doing. Uh, you could probably battle, like, Dave and Stormzy Ooh. and... Do you know what I mean? Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started because the way you're just bigging me up right now, Uh-oh. I might just drop no, no, a quick don't. one too. Please, please. <laughs> you know, I think definitely with the book, it, it definitely had an impact on me. And it's funny reading it back. There was a lot that I learned, even though it was kind of both of our stories and stories we had already heard. And it made me think about you know, the impact I'm still making in my career. And it'd be interesting just to hear from you. Like, when was the last time you thought about the impacts you had on others? And how has that impacted your present, you know, in like what you're doing today? So if, if anyone doesn't know, you know, I run the UK Black Business Show and UK Black Business Week, which was founded in 2017. And I didn't know about the impact that it would have when I, I, I started the show. Um, but when I really started to think about the impact was when, you know, this year and the last year, people were coming up to me and they were saying, um, thank you so much for creating the show. Someone who I met in 2017 is now my business partner and I met them at the show mm-hmm. and now we've got a fantastic business. When, you know, exhibitors are coming up who've created their show in 2017 and now this year they've got, you know, shows on Channel 4 and they're doing extremely well. Um, so that's when I really started to think about, you know, the impact that, the show, the week, everything that we're doing is having on others and how important it is. And today we have a fantastic guest who epitomises legacy. I wanted to speak to him personally and he's, he's impacted my childhood with, you know, what he's created with, the, you know, the lick, um, his career on MTV. And it's just such an honour to be speaking with Trevor Nelson. I was going to say drum roll. Yeah, Trevor Nelson. Well, you already said it. What about you? He's someone that when I think about like growing up and music, who comes to mind, um, definitely someone who has paved the way. And so I'm sure there are so many gems that, you know, we can take away from his career journey. Brilliant. So who is Trevor Nelson? Trevor Nelson is an award-winning DJ and champion for R&B music worldwide. Trevor Nelson is a household name across the UK. In 1996, Trevor moved to BBC Radio 1 to present the first ever national R&B show, The Rhythm Nation. Trevor continued to present on Radio 1 for a further 17 years. As a pioneer in the black music scene, he started his broadcasting career at then pirate station KISS FM, he went on to A&R artists such as D'Angelo and signed Lyndon David Hall at Cool Tempo slash EMI Records. Trevor joined MTV in 1998 to host their flagship R&B show, The Lick. The show aired for 11 years on MTV Base, making it the longest running show on the channel. Trevor has won numerous honours, including four MOBOs and an MBE for his work with the Millennium Volunteers. In 2010, he was awarded with the Special Gold Lifetime Achievement Award for his services to broadcasting at the Sony Radio Academy Awards. He was also nominated as a Hackney Ambassador to coincide with the 2012 Olympics. Um, so to get started, we're going to ask a few questions, a little bit of an icebreaker. Mm. So, radio or TV presenting? 
Radio. Hip hop or R and B? R and B. Who's your favourite R and B artist? <laughs> Anthony Hamilton. Pop or dance? Ooh, dance. Okay, we got a good one then. So when you're in the club or on a night out, are you a dancer or are you like someone who bops your head, vibes into the music? I used to be a dancer when I yeah. was um, before I was a DJ. I loved dancing. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Yeah, I guess so. With your career, it's probably like most nights you're up. I have no choice. I don't, I don't really. It's not you know. I, I would love to be an early bird. I love when I can get up early. But I'm blessed that I actually have an apartment on the beach in Saint Lucia, oh. and I get out there maybe once every two years or once every eighteen months, unbelievably. Um, and my missus is an early bird and I'm a late night owl. So can you imagine when I actually get there, I wake up at three in the morning, I can't sleep. I, I'm all over the place with the, with the jet lag. It takes a week to recover. But the beautiful thing about the Caribbean is five in the morning, it's bright. Yeah. So 5.30, it's daylight. So it's a bit, it's, my, you know what, you've touched on the one thing in my life that is the bane of my life, my body clock. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Awful, I hear awful. So I guess you'll say night out, but night owl, but early bird, if you if you could. If I was a normal human being, I would be <laughs> up early, playing golf, doing walking. I've just got a new puppy. I'll be walking the puppy, oh. and it's just yeah, it's just that's the kid. It's killing me. I get about five hours sleep a night max. Next one, I think you're gonna hate me for this one, Trevor. Drug bottle, drug or Lampard. Lampard. Oh, that was quick. That was easy. <laughs> you said quick fire. And then just one last one. This one's, you don't have a, like an option. You can just tell us. So if there was one record you could listen to for the rest of your life, and this is the only song you could listen to, what would it be and why? Um, Stevie Wonder as. Okay. I like that. Stevie Wonder as. And why? Simply because... Forget about all these, you know, don't look in the magazine to tell you what's a great record. Don't don't ask your friends. The music has to choose you, right? So if it was an ABBA record or a Kylie record, I would say the same thing. Because that when I first heard that record, the beginning, the chords, just made me smile. And no matter what's going on in my life, when I hear the beginning of that record, I get emotional, start to smile. And I mean, I actually met the great man, interviewed him. He had his keyboard on his lap. And I told him that's my favourite record of all time. He started playing it to me. And I nearly started crying. It's my favourite. It's, it's, it's my favourite song. It's my favourite song. Great way to start off, yeah. start off the questions, you know, talking about the legend Stevie Wonder. Um, so we're talking about tools to build a legacy. So, you know, why do you do what you do? And what would you say is your motivation? My, my motivation is not, wasn't fame, wasn't money, wasn't glory, was nothing. I just like, music is the only thing I've ever loved, naturally loved, like gravitated to, um, you know, everything else in life was a chore, everything else was hard, everything else was an effort. Music for me was just simply, I could spend 23 hours, like 24 hours when I was younger, talking, listening to, searching for thinking about music and that was that if you ask a sportsman who is obsessed with football for example 
he'd probably give you the same answer. You know, and it's it's just one of those things that I can't explain. I just seriously cannot explain. I was obsessed with music. It was like my raison d'etre. So I, I did it as a hobby, and I would do any job to facilitate my record hobby. Why is that? Because no one did it as a living. You couldn't do it as a living. It was it was for us then. You know, sound system culture was a hobby. I think that you know, I I knew I knew guys. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot, man. Come on, we were working class. You know, and we didn't have a lot, and we sort of it was a hobby. You either you either into buying clothes, you either into being the best dancer, being a a supreme serial jealist or something. You know, I mean? or, yeah, it was about small little things. I had something. I was known for being a music guy. I was just known that you, you, you want them to make you take off, Trevor. You, want, you know, you get what I mean? Soul tapes, freaky faces, say freaky soul music tapes, Trevor Nelson, that guy. Yeah, that's the guy. So it, it kept you from being, it makes you somebody, I suppose, at the weekend. And I'm not saying that's why I did it. But, you know, it, it was something. I only took it seriously when Kiss FM got a licence. Like, legally. That was a turning point for me. I, I I became a daytime DJ on Kiss FM. I was paid. I paid tax. Um, up until then, it was cash in hand. Everybody was getting a little £50 there, £100 there. You know what I mean? Just... You put in a little ray. If you just you make if you make a little bit of change, that's great. But you never really did. And all of a sudden, instead of working in, a, in retail or someone being an accounts clerk, or you're getting paid to play music. So all of a sudden, I'm a professional DJ. To me, that is still going to always be the highlight of my whole career. No matter about you can look back all the awards I've got or flats or whatever. That's the highlight of my career. Because that was a turning point in my life. You know, kids became legal. You know, I wasn't earning huge money or I wasn't truly famous. It was just London-wide, but it was, wow. <laughs> really? You know, I'm a professional DJ. I think one thing that just stuck out to me is what you said, you know, you didn't know where you was going to be. Um, and, you know, this, this session is all about legacy. Mm. Um, and you've clearly, you know, left your mark on the music industry here in the UK, especially for myself and Opiemi growing up. Um, but, you know, when did you, when, when did you start to consider legacy? I think it's a mistake to think I am going to create a legacy when you start. For the simple reason, I'll tell you why. I think you're going to put yourself under so much pressure Mm-hmm. At the start of your career, if you're thinking of the end of your career. But you said something interesting earlier. You said you had a mission. And for me, I often yes. connect mission and legacy, which for me, legacy mm. is about impact. So wherever I go, yeah. I'm, I try and be purpose-driven. But to your point around a mission, I guess it was already in the background. I, from what you've said, I would say it was in the background of your mind. Yes, I, mean, I think the difference between... If someone's listening to this and wanting to create a business, that's different. Or manufacturing a product or trying to create something that everyone's going to buy. That is different. When you do something like what I do, where the public decides whether you are going to create a legacy, not you. You can't force it. Yet you two, you two have to decide whether I have created a legacy, not me. 
So I set out there and I made statements. Not in 19, I made statements in 1996 when I moved to Radio 1. That's when I knew, that's when I would say to you, I was thinking legacy. I knew I had the platform and I knew I had a responsibility and I knew that I had a great, great opportunity, much bigger than being a London-wide DJ. A national DJ, a black national DJ playing black music. I couldn't think of many. That I, I couldn't think of any that I knew of. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to take have this platform and leave it in the worst state it was before I got there. I wanted people to say my name and immediately when they say my name, think of the music I represented. Like, immediately. You know, not, not, not Trevor Nelson. Yeah. Like that bald guy who, who, who's a little guy who got out and then comes up with eight different things. I wanted to say Trevor Nelson R&B. That's, that, that, to me, that's, that, that's all I ever wanted. And if you think that... Boom, I'm happy. Being someone who's kind of creating a brand or you're you're out there and people are starting to recognise who you are, how have you dealt with that pressure? Because you're a public figure um, and there weren't many black people in mainstream media at the time. So how have you handled that pressure? I think being really, really, really single-minded and, and being really focused on not listening to the noise around me because I could have got carried away with my own heart. I had the opportunity to be a complete idiot, a complete dickhead. Because the right. platform's there for you to be that in that in that environment, music business, drugs, women, partying, um, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being a being a cliche. Cut the way I cut through, I thought, was by really being single and being myself. Mm-hmm. You know, just just really sticking to my guns of music first. What I found with our music was everyone was putting on an act or or you know what I mean? And just you, yeah. Using it as the latest fashion item. Music ain't the latest fashion item for me. It's like, it's it's everything. You know what I mean? It's going to yeah. stay with me for life. I, I, I wanted timelessness. I wanted people to believe this isn't a bit, you know, people say hip hop's a fad mm. when I was growing up. You know, everything's a fad. Mm. Black music's never been a fad. Black mm. music is the backbone of all music. That's mm. right. You're preaching, you're preaching, Trevor. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Brilliant. I think just going back to some of the things that you mentioned, I know you mentioned some of the kind of the nasty parts that people often associate with the music industry, like the drugs, etc. You know, you must have had to deal with critics or those that must have been, you know, jealous or, you know, very critical of your profile. It's on reflection. How have you always dealt with that, you know, the jealousy and people kind of talking about your your profile and being critical of you? The worst thing you could do, I, what, how I managed it was, I just didn't throw my success in people's faces. Mm. I didn't, I, I didn't move it over people. I tried to encourage people that, you know, my, my idea was that watch what I'm doing. You can do it too, you know what I mean? Just watch what I'm doing, watch how I'm representing myself. You can do it too. And it, to my mind, this is the way to do it. To be successful as a black person in Britain, you don't need to sell out. This is a yeah. this is a really easy easy thing for the people who are jealous or to say, ah, because you sold out, didn't you? Sold yeah. out from what? You ain't sold out. You haven't sold out. Mm-hmm. Don't buy into that. Don't yeah. fall for that trap. Right? Don't ever fall for that trap. When you're that, you don't react to it either. Yeah. Just deal with what. What is your objective? My objective was. Let's make the music more popular. Let's make more people love the music. One thing that I love that that you said, you know, you let your success do the talking, you know, instead of retaliating with people, you just, you know, kept on working hard. Um, and that brings us on to, you know, speaking about integrity, you know, what does having, you know, you speak about it a lot, but, you know, what does having integrity in the music industry look like in practice? It's the hardest thing. I think I'm a bit, I think I'm a bit over the top, if you want the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the industry early doors and I realised that it's a small, it's a big industry, but that, but tiny. So mm-hmm. what I used to hear is if someone did something um, that was slightly off key, it spread like wildfire for the industry. And what I mean by that is you'd be sitting down with someone and they'd talk about somebody and they'd love to talk about a fellow black man. Mm-hmm. And they'd love to say, oh, do, do, do you get on with him? Would you like him? And then mm. it always starts like that, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't really, don't really know him really that well. Yeah. Yeah, I work with him every now and again, and they go, "They're just waiting to drop something on you sure. that he did that wasn't cool, that was da 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 da." And it spreads and it spreads and it spreads and it, and it spreads around the industry so quickly. And I said, "I think I'm going to give people that juice to the point that when I run in a label for EMI, and I, you know, I, I looked after some pretty, you know, profile artists. You know, I signed a couple. I looked after some." I, I didn't want to play their records first on my show, even though my show was the biggest show. And I just felt, I don't want anyone saying, I'm playing, so I'll give them to Matt Wright on Kiss first, or, or Jigs or sure. Choice, or, and really I should have just played them because I played the best record. I wouldn't have signed it yeah. if I didn't think it was good. And, you know, my integrity is really important to me. So, yeah, I, I like to think I, I, I kept my integrity musically that way. A lot of things can get thrown your way. Hmm. People tempt you, especially back in the day. You know, they like to take you out to dinner and butt you up a bit, and other you know, things can go on. But I would like to think I'm pretty clean, and um, I ain't squeaky. 
Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I think the biggest struggle for me was in America, they were having it. They were having it. So much fun. They were making lots of money. I mean, there were black executives running labels all over the place. Mm. And in Britain, it wasn't quite like that because our demographics so different. You know, they just come over and think, boy, you're a mogul. I'm not. I'm really mm. not. You know, I don't go to work tomorrow. I get no money. I don't get paid. So I'm still working <laughs> like that. Um, we talk about, I think we've spoken about like the illusion of inclusion because um, there's this idea that, you know, black professionals and entrepreneurs are doing fantastic in different industries because of the rise of people like, you know, Serena Williams um, to Lewis Hamilton. But actually, they're one black person in that whole industry. Or one of the few. And they're doing fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because yeah. it is sad. And I think it kind of links into like what this, like our book is about twice as hard, yeah. like that whole pressure of everything just being harder based on who you are and you know what for you what does it like twice as hard mean i got my chance and i my attitude was every show is my last show yeah i'm gonna make it great every show is my last show everybody i knew from my generation that that had parents everybody says the same my mom said that my dad said that you know you've got to work twice as hard it's a horrible thing for a child to hear but the Mm. parents had to drum it into their kids i knew when my mom and dad struggles without them actually telling me that i had to work really hard i mean ridiculously hard to get what I'd say a white person would get and not even think about. And white people, a lot of white people. Because when you hit 18 and you go into the big bad world, they're not the same. Uh We're not the same. We're not the same. There's an unconscious bias against Uh us that they wouldn't really fully realise. It was so drummed into me how hard life was going to be for me. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like you didn't want to, you just wanted to have almost something that was simple and achievable Mm -hmm. and you'd be content because of how difficult like the journey looked like it could be for people from from our community and background. Yes, 100%. I never dreamed. I never dreamed. I never dreamed, honestly. So then when did you you start dreaming? Like, when did you realise actually... I'm actually becoming someone. I'm like, this is, I'm actually being recognised here. I can be honest with you. You know what I mean? I'm an old geezer. I've got an MTV, not a 21. I might have looked young. I was really 30. And this is what worked in my favour. People say it don't crack and it worked in my favour so much. <laughs> I've got an MTV. I already had a lot of musical knowledge. I already had been at a record label. I've worked in a record shop. I've worked in club promotions. I've been a sound system guy. I helped launch a, a legal radio station. I had all this behind me. I'd signed artists. Do you get what I mean? I had all this behind me. I get on the channel and I'm already one of the oldest people on MTV, but I'm the newest. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm fresh. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. But I'm actually, I'm fresh, but I'm a veteran already, mentally, I'm a veteran. So instead yeah. of making all the mistakes that a youngster would make at 21, I was mature enough to see what it was for. I'd already done my bit in the industry, so I knew what the importance of what my MTV show would be. You talk about dreaming, and this is really important. I've never dreamed. I've never dreamed of it. I've never, ever dreamed. But I could have become a media mogul. I had the platform. Everything was there. I'd, I'd witnessed Diddy. I'd interviewed him so many times. I'd been over to the States. I did a documentary on it. 
I saw what Dre was doing, all these producers, I saw what these yeah. executives were doing. I could have had a bit of a grip on the British scene because mm-hmm. a lot of kids who were coming up as artists were looking at me going, oh, you know, that's like the first black guy I've seen on telling it down, the music and all this sort of stuff. I want to be with him, you know, yeah. or I want to know what he's drinking. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you could have scooped all that up. I could have gone to um, mainstream companies and sold them black culture. And then yeah. they go, oh, it's Trevor Nelson. I know him from Radio 1 and MTV. Come in, have a meeting, sit down. I had people call me up, come to my, <laughs> come to my office and sit in front of me. Uh, people with a lot of money. And just said, hey, and just sort of saying, just thought we should meet. They didn't know what they wanted to do. They didn't know what I, you know. And, I, and, and they left none the wiser because I had no interest in being an entrepreneur. No interest, right? Only because I felt the job wasn't done as a broadcaster for me. And it feel, I felt, I, I felt, if there was about five guys around me that I felt could take the mantle and continue, you know, I, I probably could have jumped off a little bit more and done other stuff. Um, but I didn't feel that. I didn't feel, I felt that if I left Radio 1 early, I don't know if there was someone there who was going to continue. I love that because, do you know what, Trevor, that speaks to you being actually very purpose-driven. It speaks to you, like, even though you, you said you're saying, like, you haven't, you don't dream, like, to me, that's, you had a dream and your dream was to make sure that there was someone who you could hand the mantle to. And I think saying that, like, as, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's a matter of perspective because your story is always going to be your story in your head. But for for an outsider, they're going to look at your story and pick different things that maybe you don't even recognise. Um, and, I, and I think one thing I just want to kind of hear from you as we as we start to kind of wrap up is... For those who are hearing you, like hearing you and like just your story, what advice would you give around living out that mission or being purpose driven or leaving the legacy? The time is now to be aggressively creative and stick to your guns and believe in a product. If you're if you're manufacturing a product, really believe it. But do your research. Please don't go like a bull in a china shop and just say, "I want to make money, I want to make money, I want to make money." It's not. It's the money will come. The money will come if you have integrity, if your product's got integrity, if what you do. Remember, however big you think your industry is, it's tiny. It's tiny mm-hmm. in the business world. Mm-hmm. You know, how you treat people will come back and haunt you. Karma will always come and get you. So just treat mm-hmm. people how you'd like to be treated. I love to see Black Enterprise. I, I genuinely do. I, I want to see people. You can be as flashy as you want. You can have whatever car you want to drive. You can be the stereotype as long as your business is right. And as long as people like your product and respect what you, you offer, you shouldn't care too much about how well someone's mm-hmm. doing. Don't let that motivate you. Don't let that be a motivation. Your motivation should be pure. Your motivation, if you want to be an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. If you want to make millions, make that your goal. If you want to make a great product or a great business, that is a long, long marathon. You know, it's not a spring. You know, exactly. we, want, we, want to leave, we want to leave wealth and legacy. We want to leave... Uh-huh. Wealth is when you leave a, a company name, a company brand for a century or 50 years. I want to mm. see that. Wouldn't we all love yeah. to see that? Yeah, and I just want to add as well to that, that like, not every... Not, entrepre- entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And so in as much as like we're talking about legacy, I do want to call out that you can have an impact and leave a, leave a legacy also just work in a day job and you know I work I work for a company you know and I recognize 
the impact that I can also have to other younger black professionals that come into organisations. So I think that's the important thing to call out because you do touch on like you you didn't really see yourself as an entrepreneur and many people don't and it's not for everyone and that's okay. And so I think it's also important that people recognise that even if you work a nine to five or maybe it's not a nine to five, you're working eight to eight to seven, who knows, whatever your hours are. If you're employed, you can still, you know, make an impact. And so there is this phrase, like this term, entrepreneurship, and you can create things in the company that you work for. You can bring your creativity, your ideas forward. And so I think it's important, you know, I just loved what you said around you not being. <laughs> That's a round of applause, mm-hmm. by the way. Trevor's clapping for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> well, you just said this there. I, that's, that's my mantra more than anything I've said today. I'm telling you now, I'm telling you right now, what you said is 99% of people are not going to be entrepreneurs. 99% of people have to be the workforce, right? We want the workforce to be more representative. All of this stuff, or everything you see on telly, the blackwashing that's going on telly at the moment, right? It's just sheen. I only care about this if in the workplace, in the average workplace, people are getting a fair crack, you know what I mean? A fair chance. How you represent yourself in the workplace is the key to changing everything. Most people watching or listening to this podcast who have no intention of being millionaires, Mm. right? This isn't a millionaire podcast, right? This is like about black business and and people in business don't mean you have to own your business. You're just working in business and it's how you rep yourself. That's what I did at the BBC. I know for fact, for fact, um, I was a black man, a minority in a majority. And how you represent your, your culture in that majority is so important for everybody else coming through. It's so That's important. Right. That's your legacy, how you leave, how you leave your workplace. <laughs> exactly. But no, I think I think we've touched on something important and Basically, you can build your legacy wherever you are, you know, and I, and I love that. Absolutely. So if you're working like a day to day, like a, a day job or you're employed, you can build a legacy there. And if you're an entrepreneur, you can also do it. And yeah. I think that's what is super important that you recognize that you're not limited just because you don't have your own business. Wherever, like wherever, wherever you find yourself. Well, Trevor, it's been an absolute honor um, speaking to you. I think I, I read a quote. It said, "It's not about um, leaving something for someone. It's about you know leaving something inside someone." Oh yeah, um, that's deep. and that's you know what legacy that's is. Really. Coming from you. That's deep coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's, that's that's what legacy is about. You know yeah, yeah, what you're no, leaving inside of people, and um, you've certainly done that for us. You've certainly done that for the whole music industry, um, and it's just been this session has been great. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. We appreciate you. you. Wow. I love Trevor. What an interview. Trevor is great. No, I really do. Trevor is great. I just feel like he's so down to earth and so relatable. Mm -hmm. Um, There was so much, I don't know, what struck me the most is what he said about just not dreaming. Mm. And it's it's sad in some ways, but actually, I just think he doesn't realise sometimes the impact that he has had or that he probably was dreaming and didn't realise it. But I just think, and it's a reflection of sometimes how difficult and challenging it is to progress 
as a black person that you just live if I can just get to this level of comfort I'm going to be okay but what's interesting actually is his skill mm. his talent his ability he was able to hone in on that and that opened doors and so it reminds me actually I'm going to get a bit spiritual here but it does mm -hmm. remind me of a bible verse which says like your gift or your talent will make room for you mm. and bring you before great men or great people yeah. and actually I find that to be the truth that you know focus on what you're good at focus on your passion focus mm -hmm. on your gift and hopefully not even hopefully what that should do is propel you to this level of excellence and greatness as it has done in his case and so maybe even if you're not a dreamer or if you, for whatever reason you're not someone who you've gone through things in life that has made you not have that big dream because you want to avoid disappointment yeah or you just want to just get through each day if you push mm -hmm. you know on what you're great at i'm sure you know, it will open up doors. Yeah, and I think um, just focusing on your gift, um, one thing that you said, and, you know, we asked him about, you know, did you think about your legacy when you started? Mm. And actually, I kind of agree with it. I, I mean, he, he just wanted to do music. Yeah. He was just passionate about his craft. Um, and then, you know, along the, you know, the journey, then he started kind of thinking about his legacy. But actually, you know, because he was one of, um, one of like one black person on TV, he was seen as a role model. Um, so he, he was always gonna leave a legacy, but he was great at what he did. Um, goes back to, you know, what, we, what we're doing, you know, twice as hard. He was working twice as hard. You know, he was making sure he was excellent at what he did. But I, I just really loved his character. Integrity is something which he, he talks about a lot. Mm -hmm. And you, you could clearly see that in the way he spoke to us. And it's interesting, the thing that he was saying around, if he had a record and he knew the person, he was so conscious not to come across as like you're just putting on your friend or you're just yeah. putting on that person because um, it's a record you've supported. Um, and I think it just goes back to, again, how sometimes we as black people were just super aware of how we're... Perceived. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, I think I'm always impressed and like I leave inspired um, speaking to him and, and that was definitely one of those times for me. And I think, you know what, moving forward in terms of some of the things he shared that's got me thinking, I just feel like that the piece we touched on around not having to be an entrepreneur mm. was important. Yeah. I think we're in this day and age where it is good to have a side hustle, don't get me wrong, but you don't have to have a side hustle or you don't have yeah. to be an entrepreneur to be successful. And actually, it's so strange because I look at um, Trevor as an entrepreneur because he's literally created his own lane yeah. but within a company and it's important for people to know that you know you can still make an impact you can still create things within the four walls of your um, company mm -hmm. um, one thing that stuck out to me was you know let your success do the talking and you know Trevor was very you, you can tell he's not petty you can tell he just works hard he doesn't you know he doesn't do getting back at people he just gets on with his things i, lo I love that i love you know letting your, your your success do the talking and knowing when when to talk up. exactly yeah. thanks so much to trevor nelson on next week's show we have musician and artist Deneo. And remember, there is literally no one like you. So don't be intimidated by your competition. You are unique and being you is what makes you special. See you next week. 
This is the Twice As Hard podcast from Storyglass. Your hosts were me, Raphael Sofaluk. And me, Opiemi Sofaluk. The producer is Nicole Logan and executive producer is Alex Hollands. Production support from Tolly Mags and production management from Kerry Luter. Our show opener and episode mixing is done by Charlie Brandon King. Special thanks to the team at Spiritland Studios and to all our lovely guests. Twice as hard, the book is published by DK and available from all good bookstores now. If you like the podcast, please let us know by rating us and leaving a review. We know everyone says this, but it really does make a difference when it comes to people finding out about the podcast. Also, like, share amongst your community and the big one, subscribe. We'll see you soon. 